Welcome to the My Breast, My Health podcast. My name is Tasha Gandhi-Mihaja and I'm a breast cancer surgeon with over a decade's worth of experience. I created this podcast as a place where those who have been affected by breast cancer can connect with each other, share experiences and learn from each other's life stories. I will also have conversations with experts in the field of medicine as well as the health and wellness space. So if you want to learn more about this topic, then this is the place to be. The aim of this podcast is simple, to create a community where everyone feels empowered to help each other and support one another. This is because I truly believe that together we are stronger. I'm really happy to spend this time with you. So let's start build a community. Hello and welcome to the podcast. First of all, please excuse my slightly husky voice. I've got a bit of a cold today. But I'm glad to tell you that the episode was recorded when my voice was absolutely fine. So you'll be able to listen to the episode without my husky voice. Today, I'll be sharing with you my conversation with Helena Trail. Helena has recently published a book called 100 Stories. And in this book, she has collected stories from 100 people who have had cancer. And the reason why she wanted to write this book is that she wanted to open up discussions surrounding talking about cancer. This is the reason why I wanted Helena to come onto the show. We all know that talking about cancer can be quite difficult and sometimes challenging. Each person in this book was able to share their story to the wider world. Being able to talk about their cancers openly may encourage others to do the same. Knowing that you are not alone can be the strength needed for people to start the conversation. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And without further ado, here is Helena Trail. Hi, Helena. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for having me. First of all, many congratulations on the launch of your book. That's called the 100 Stories book. And it's a book that contains 100 stories from 100 people who have put pen to paper describing their experiences with cancer. Before we go deeper and talk about this, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. I'm from London and I studied graphic design at Central St. Martins and this project was part of my final year of the degree. Uh, my dad has two brain tumours and uh, he doesn't like talking about being ill. He prefers to just get on with, get on with life and pretend it's not really there. Um, but it does, he's quite ill with it. Uh, he has... It causes him epileptic fits and all sorts of side effects. So I used through my design and art, I'd previously used looking at health to be cathartic and helpful for my own mental health. So I looked at epilepsy once. I also looked at ADHD because I have ADHD. And then when it came to the final project, I decided to look at cancer, the big C. And that's where it started this time last year um, during my final degree. So what motivated you to expand that project from, you know, initially looking at the other diseases that you've mentioned to then progress to cancer? And why did you decide to continue this forward? Because obviously now you've graduated. Mm. I suppose I continued on to cancer, but during the degree, because it's quite a taboo subject in some places. And I think it's something he's talking about. Um, and so that was the biggest and scariest thing I could think of looking at. And when I, then I started collecting stories and I always 
thought that I'm kind of a storyteller. I like taking narratives and using design um, or animation or making a book to explore these narratives. Um, and when I did end up with a kind of a book at the end of my degree, I showed it at the degree show and I had lots of the people and it was a hundred stories then, but it was in a very different format. And I had about 20 to 30 of the people in the book come and meet me, which was amazing. And they all said, we, we really want to read it. And the idea for me was that it was always a physical thing and it was always something that you could, you had to be there with it. So I decided that I was going to crowdfund to create the book when I graduated. And I've kind of taken it on as a big challenge um, to get where I am with it now. And so I crowdfunded uh, £9,000 to take it to print, which was in November of uh, 2019. And now it's, yeah, it's going up on Amazon tomorrow, which is very exciting. Wow, that's that's amazing. Thank you. Why do you think people are reluctant to openly talk about their cancer diagnosis? Well, especially with my father and then even my grandmother, she had bowel cancer when I was about maybe 13. And then this summer, whilst I was um, making the book, she had breast cancer. I did think it's partly generation, maybe the fact that she's of the older generation. And then my dad is quite British and kind of gets on with everything and doesn't like to talk about it and then on the other side I have my mum who's German and she loves talking about everything and so that's kind of circumstantial I suppose on that part yeah I think it depends on the family or the people because a lot of people I've met they've really enjoyed talking about it and it helps them a lot. So do you think that there has been a generational divide? Yeah I think there has and especially with the rise of um, social media and then discussing mental health and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's been really helpful for people of my generation, definitely. That's really interesting because definitely I think that there is a slight generational divide in that, you know, digital naive or uh, grew up outside the time of social media may be slightly more reluctant to, to talk about their cancer diagnosis. But now the advent of social media has made talking about cancer and illnesses, you know, mental illness has become slightly easier. Don't you have you found that? Yeah, I definitely think that. And whether it's good that you can kind of hide behind a persona on Instagram and on Twitter, or whether it's bad, but it definitely all helps. Um and I've met some amazing I wouldn't have been able to do this project without Twitter and without Instagram, because that's where all of my all the people I met pretty much came through that. So how did you raise the fund to be able to print all of these books? So I launched it on a platform called Kickstarter. Kickstarter is a crowdfunding platform. It's American-based. What happens is people can pledge a certain amount of money to win or to buy a certain reward, and that goes towards um, my idea. And so I created a film and lots of graphic media and then reached out to lots of people. So what was amazing is I had 100 people already on my side that were in the book, and I had various charities helping me. Um, and then it just it launched, and I think within forty eight hours I reached sixty percent of my target. So it was pretty intense few days. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, and that's where the community came in. That all these people kind of had my back and were really trying to push it. And as I understand it, if you launch something on Kickstarter, you give it a limited amount of time. Yeah, so it's four weeks for me. Four weeks, and what happens if you? didn't raise the funds that you need I didn't make a book um and all the money that I'd already invested um yeah that was that <laughs> so that must have been pretty stressful yeah 
Um, it was pretty stressful. My target was eight thousand pounds, which is a is a lot of money because my I had to print five hundred books minimum because of the way I wanted it printed. It's a four hundred and sixty page book, so it's pretty um pretty big book. Yeah, well, I managed to do it, which was amazing. So you mentioned earlier that you also reached out to cancer charities, yeah. and one of the charities that you managed to kind of collaborate with was Cancer on Board.、Mm, have you heard of them? Yes, I have. But for those that for those out there who don't know what the charity is, yeah, could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so、um, Cancer on Board has a gentleman called James McNaught, and、uh, he lives in London, and he had tonsil cancer about five or six years ago, and he would have to travel from Camden, where he lives, south to a hospital、um, on the tube, and he couldn't speak during all of this because he had、uh, radiotherapy targeted to his throat. And he found it very difficult, very tiring, going every day of the week, going to this radiotherapy. And he made a joke to a friend in the ward, saying,、um, "I wish I could wear the baby on board badge."、Um, and if you're not from London, there's TFL Transport for London make a badge that says "Baby on Board." And if someone's pregnant, they wear this badge, and it kind of is a reminder that people should offer them a seat on the tube. And、uh, it started as a joke. He then bought a hundred badges, which he used literally baby on board badge with the TFL logo, but changed baby for cancer, and started handing them out. And then I'm not sure how long later, but TFL eventually got in touch and said, "Well, as long as you're not making any money out of it, you can still kind of give away these badges,、um, because they were a really big hit with the people that had seen them. They worked, which was great." He actually then decided to rebrand the whole thing because he thought that because of having the Transport for London logo, it tied him to London. So they rebranded it, and if you look on、uh, Twitter and things, you see this kind of—it looks like a bit like a snowflake type symbol—and it says "Cancer on Board." And he just in the summer actually,、um, uh, Macmillan have started handing them out, so they had ten thousand or something this summer. So you're starting to see them pop up more and more. But I just love because my whole thing was all about open conversation and creating these stories and telling stories. This little badge. That if someone wears it on a tube, it sparks open conversation straight away. I've heard so many amazing stories where people will just approach them on the tube and say,、um, "Can I ask why you're wearing that?" Or、um, my brother James tells this story. The founder he says、uh, someone approached him on the tube and said,、oh, "My brother just got diagnosed with cancer, and I don't know what to say to him." And they started having this very pretty in-depth conversation、um, just because of this badge. And I just love this idea that it sparks. Um, open conversation through just a very small object. So I kind of collaborated with them quite a lot, and I used their symbol throughout the book as this kind of graphic tool. And he really one day wants his symbol to be like a symbol for cancer that people recognise. I've seen the book, and the logo, the cancer on board logo, is kind of it permeates through the book extremely beautifully. So I think you've done an amazing job with that. I, I also understand how that particular charity really fits into the mission of the book. In other words, you know, trying to promote open discussion about cancer and normalize that conversation because lots of people perhaps would like to talk about their diagnosis, but for whatever reason, something is stopping them. So if we talk about it more openly, then that's an extremely encouraging thing to happen. Yeah, definitely. There are quite a few stories in. The book, so there are hundred stories, yeah.、Um, but quite a few of them are stories from those who have been affected by breast cancer. 
Was that coincidental or? Kind of. But the story behind that is, is that I went out onto Twitter and James was kind of my wingman on Twitter and he shared it loads and he has a good following on there. And I didn't really know the power of what he calls hashtag cancer Twitter. And now I do. It's amazing. It's an amazing community. It reached Liz. Liz O'Riordan. Yes, exactly. She shared it at some point. And then that, because she has a following of people who have about her and you've probably explained what she does better than me. Yeah. I mean, um, Liz is somebody who is a breast cancer surgeon, was a breast cancer Mm. surgeon, and um, she has since retired from um, doing breast surgery. Um, And she was diagnosed with breast cancer whilst she was working. And she is a tireless advocate of um, spreading the word about breast cancer. And yeah, as you rightly said, that she's quite active on, on social media. So if she had spread the word, then uh, I'm not surprised that lots of people would have reached back to her to help you. And I also think I, your question at the beginning about this generational divide, um, I think there was something quite interesting, not necessarily generation, but this idea of open conversation and who is advocates of this open conversation, that the women that have had breast cancer and have become part of these groups like Breast Cancer Now or they're on Twitter, they're all very um, good at being vocal or the one, the people I met anyway, they really wanted to help them write their story and write it down. And I found a lot of them had blogs and I just, yeah, I found that idea quite interesting that that group of women that came forward from Liz were really willing to share and help me because loads of them didn't even know who I was. <laughs> A lot of people had a lot of trust in me. <laughs> I mean, do you think people who have been affected by breast cancer are more willing to talk about it more openly? I think it depends if they have been part of those groups. So, for example, uh, I had my launch party at Maggie's, which is another charity that um, I've have helped me, and I can explain about them a bit later. But they, um, we had that on Tuesday this week, and my grandma came, and she doesn't like whether that's generational she doesn't like talking about her illness and she that she went through radiotherapy and multiple breast surgeries this summer she said oh I didn't know about all these um all these groups and about breast cancer now and all that kind of thing she had no idea she has a quite what I think is interesting is she has a really good regime kind of since so she has horses and her um she goes and visits her husband at a nursing home every day i was talking about it with her yesterday that she's come out of um of her treatment and she's gone back into her kind of timetable of doing these things every day so she's actually been fine the aftermath of after coming out of treatment whereas there's a lot of in the book there's a lot of speak of people who have gone through this treatment and they come out the other end and don't really know what to do Yes. Um, and so they've gone on the internet and they found these friends and they've had these discussions. And that was a bit of a random thought process. Sorry. But that kind of brings back to the importance of being able to talk about cancer openly because, you know, it doesn't actually even need to be a generational thing. But if you are perhaps not connected to others via social media, then you know, you may not have the outlet to talk about it with other people. Yeah. And that's where social media is so powerful and so valid and useful in situations like this. Yeah. I mean, how do you think we could help those who aren't connected via social media to be able to talk about it? I guess one of one of the things is this book of yours. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you've been obviously involved in all of these um, stories. 
have you noticed any kind of messages that's permeating through those stories that perhaps can help others? Yes. So there, I also did some face-to-face interviews and then I documented those and I found quite a few um, common themes throughout a lot of them. One of the things to note is that, that each person in the book was asked a series of questions. So it wasn't just, oh, tell me your story. And then it led on from that. So everyone was asked, firstly, well, yeah, what's your story? How has cancer affected you? Secondly, how has social media, like if you use social media, how does that help? And then thirdly, it was kind of about this open conversation and social media. So that those themes led throughout the book. I think you say you're asking about kind of common themes. Is that right? Yeah. So probably the top two. One was that the people who use social media, a lot of them had blogs and they used blogs to spread the word about their treatment or what they were going through. So they didn't have to repeat themselves to family members or things like that. So they could just write a blog, a post, share it, and then they were done with it. Kind of it just a release of all of this information and then People didn't ring up asking about what happened or whatever. They would just share it on Facebook and um, everyone would know. Um, so that was quite interesting to using the internet and everything as a tool for that. And then another one, which I found quite shocking, was that a lot of people lost friends um, because friends didn't know what to say to them, didn't really know how to react around them. That's a common theme as well. Yes, I think the friends or losing friends um situation is it it is quite sad but it's not that unusual because as you said lots of people actually don't know what to say if you have cancer they don't know how to approach you they don't know the questions to ask they perhaps are worried that that may offend that particular person so instead of trying to converse they shy away and then they lose contact so that is actually um, and not an uncommon thing to find, sadly. Yeah, and that was pretty common. There are loads of kind of themes. And, oh, people who, this uh, one sentence came up quite a lot, other people who get it. And I think that really relates to the communities on Twitter and social media. These people uh, who have been through treatment, their friends who, they either losing their friends or their friends don't necessarily ever understand exactly what they're going through even if they've supported them, even if it's their mum or their boyfriend or girlfriend, it has, it's not necessarily the other person they've supported them, but they don't know exactly what it's like going through it. And so reaching out to people who get it through whether that's through social media or through the chemo ward, that's really powerful and really helpful to so many people. I guess that's, again, how or why social media is so powerful is because you can attract your own tribe. And you can, you know, you can talk about the things that have affected you and know that the other person understands exactly what you're talking about. You um, earlier mentioned about the charity Maggie's, and I was wondering, for those who don't know who they are, would you be able to just tell us a little bit about them? So Maggie's is a charity that provides free cancer support and information. Uh, so it's a bit like Macmillan, but it has a house. So each centre is next to an NHS cancer hospital um, and you can go in there, just drop in. Um, they're open normally nine till five, um, Monday to Friday, and you can literally just walk in, be greeted by a member of staff and discuss what you need or 
you can just go in and grab a cup of tea, anything like that. And what I love about them is each uh, Maggie Centre is beautifully designed by different architects from all across the world, but they have a kitchen table in every one. So you can go in and have a cup of tea and sit around the kitchen table and have a discussion. What was amazing is that I got in contact with Maggie's and um, actually Lucy, who is the, she's a storytelling manager, wrote a introduction for my book when it went to print, which was really exciting because they have this underlying idea that stories and conversations make a a lot of difference. Um, So we share that idea together, I suppose. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, Mega's centers are amazing there. As you said, they're all over the country. And for those who have been affected by breast cancer, they can just drop into any Mega center and, you know, derive a lot of, a lot of comfort and value from, from the center. So yeah, definitely check them out. Yeah. There's about 24 across the country and they're trying to build more. Now that you've completed the project and the book um, you've, you know, you've had the launch and the book will be available on Amazon tomorrow then, really. This episode will be broadcast after that. So by the time this episode is out, um, it should be available on Amazon. So yeah, having done this project, what have you learned from this whole process? I've learned that people are very trusting and really trusted my idea Um, which was just communicated through social media to start with. And loads of people have supported me and helped me create this book. I always wanted it to be cathartic for myself to um, use design and telling stories and narratives to make things less scary. And it definitely has done that. I've met some amazing people. Has it made talking about cancer with your, your dad an easier thing to do now? Yeah. What was amazing was that he was always, so the portraits and stories go in order of the amount of words that someone sent me. So it started off with number one is my dad who had no words and it goes through to number 100, which was like a 2000 word interview. He was always number one because I never really asked him to write anything and didn't think he'd want to. And the night before I went to print, he um, was sitting in front of the TV or with my mum and she came up and said, He's asking if you've if you've asked him any of the questions. And I said, well, no, because I thought he wouldn't want to write anything. And then he came up and said, well, wh- why is my – let me see my page. And I showed him his page. Well, why is my page blank? And I said, well, the, you don't want to talk about it. So I didn't ask you to write anything. I didn't want you to write anything. You're number one. You can't write anything now because it will ruin the whole order. Um, and suddenly he was sitting down at his computer and he wrote something and he sent it to me. So he's still story number one, but I've kind of written a footnote that it was added shortly before it's printed. And then this idea that it did he wrote something which was amazing. And my aim from the beginning was if it helped him realize that there are people out there that talk about it and their groups, then and he does even talk about it a little bit more, that would be so useful. So within six months of not wanting to talk about it, he said the first conversation I had with him, I rang him and asked um would you mind if I did my final project at uni about cancer? And he said, well, no, and put the phone down. So from going from that to then writing a paragraph in my book is, yeah, so it definitely, definitely helped. And so that kind of is the story that proves that. Absolutely. That, that it just goes to show, doesn't it, that uh, with baby steps, people gradually will, I guess, come out of their shell and, 
think about the fact that it's actually okay to talk about cancer and cancer should not be a taboo subject. It shouldn't be something that is, you know, swept underneath the carpet. And for those who have been affected by cancer, it can be quite a lonely place to be. That's why I think, you know, what you've done is an amazing feat. And considering it was your graduate thesis to begin with, and now the fruit of your labors is this gorgeous, gorgeous book, by the way. Thank you. Thanks. So Helena, you are going to read an excerpt from one of the stories from your book. Yep. So I've got here, which is story number 59, a bit that Liz O'Riordan has written. I told Twitter the day after I was diagnosed. It was part of my life and I couldn't imagine not talking about it. Cancer wasn't a dirty secret and I didn't want to hide it. The day I sent that tweet was one of the best days of my life. I was flooded with responses from people all over the world. I learned how to cope with chemotherapy from other patients. I met other doctors with cancer who understood what it was like being on the other side of the table. Through blogging, I could reach out and help others whilst getting help myself. The online cancer community is now a powerful force to be reckoned with. Podcasts, campaigns, events are all popping up everywhere and the real voice of cancer is being seen. This is really empowering and gives people who are newly diagnosed hope. They are not alone and there is life to be lived even with a cancer diagnosis. Great, thank you very much. For those who would like to get in touch with you, how best can they get hold of you? So I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram with the handle at 100 with numbers. So 100 stories book. Um, And you can just send me a message, say hi, if you want to share your story. I'm definitely trying to build on this platform that I've kind of created to continue telling stories and to take this further in the future. Um, I want to do more research into it as a, as kind of a method of, helping other people because I've yeah I've been overwhelmed with response from not only the people that started reading it but by the people that were in the book who said by sharing their story it's helped them and they feel part of almost this collective of people um so that's been really heartwarming to know that I've created this its own community almost on that note let's wrap it up here thank you so much for joining me onto the podcast and um All the best for the future. Thank you. Bye. Thank you once again to Helena Trail for coming onto the podcast. Now, Helena has kindly given me a copy of the book and it is absolutely stunning. Everything about it is beautifully crafted from packaging to the individual pixelated artwork that represents each person that has narrated a story. The stories themselves are extremely varied from short paragraphs to slightly longer accounts. But each of the stories represent a person's experience. It is a privilege for me to be able to read them. You can connect with Helena at 100 Stories Book. And if you would like the show notes, you can head to www.mybreastmyhealth.com forward slash episode eight. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. And you know, podcasting is a bit of a strange medium. I know you are listening out there, but I would very much love to hear back from you. So you can either leave a rating and review on Apple Podcast, or why don't you connect with me on either Twitter or Instagram? You can find me at Dr. Tasha G. So that's D-R-Tasha G. 
Let me know what you are liking about the podcast, what you would like me to talk about in future episodes, or just connect and say hello. That would be lovely. In the meantime, take care and see you in the next episode. Bye.